Welcome to Critical Cactus, where we talk about prickly subjects. I'm your host, Adam Yaks. Today is 527-2017. Uh, please welcome your co-host, TJ. And that's your cue. Hi. <laughs> we will be talking about prickly subjects that matter today, such as damselfly cannibalism, mouse sperm, and creating ice on Earth. With Adam Dominguez. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, another awesome <laughs> introduction. I just, I, I can't get over the fact that there's two pricklies like back to back going on here. We will be talking about prickly subjects and then why are the topics we cover so prickly? Why do we avoid these at the dinner table? Two words, belief and bias. Tom sent out a little Facebook post. It was actually kind of a long read, but it was well worth it, where you you talked about the worldview that people build in their brains, and uh, you, you had shared that one. Do you remember that? No. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's in and out. It's a, it's just a, shotgun it's a post. I read it. I like it. I hit the share button in the end. You probably didn't read the whole thing either because you actually have to <laughs> click on it and there's more. <laughs> you ended where you wanted to end. I, I try I'm kind not to click more and read the rest yeah. and look for references kind of guy and you just went share. I, I try not to share anything I don't read through at least once yeah, thoroughly. I think you read through it because it talks about uh, how humans, it's a very psychology share that you did there, the studies that they've done about uh, what people do. You'll remember this as I go. Um, people bu build a little house in their minds of the worldviews, and that uh, includes like beliefs, you know, um, uh, not necessarily supernatural beliefs at all. It's just beliefs in general. You know, you believe that your teacher cared about you. <laughs> just whatever it is, you know, you you have a belief, and then when somebody challenges that belief, you'd be surprised at how many other things are dependent on it. You know, you have built a. Uh, kind of a, a bearing wall in that house that that all these other things are dependent on and when, when somebody tries to knock down that one wall that's holding up all this other th like if this is true all this other stuff is true too um we get very defensive and and your post was talking about the the psychology studies and the uh, mri scans and and the, the way that the brain was reacting in a i've been physically attacked yes with. remember that yes i do yeah, well, that's how we react when somebody does any sort of conflict. That's why people are so prickly here in the desert, because we live close to D-Man. And um, just by living close to D-Man is enough for everybody to go, oh, here's the contrarian who's going to say the opposite of everything I think in every single part of the house that I've built. You know, you call me contrarian, but I consider myself fluid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm he not. Just, he just did it. I'm he not being contrary. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that's the elegance of it right there? It's so beautiful. All right. So there's no question why you're here right <laughs> now. It's been eloquently put. And um, so the house is built on um, possibly, and this is where it gets dangerous. Possibly flimsy logic. And uh, when someone is contrary to your flimsy logic and they put it to a mirror some people have bad reactions as a matter of fact most people do um, if it is that bearing wall that they're talking about and everyone has one you know I have talked to people I'm like oh this person's exactly like me they have all these great things in common and then you say oh but 9-11 uh, conspiracy and boom you hit their weak spot and <laughs> wham you know their whole house is crumbling, cr crumbling down and they are defensive immediately and it's weird because everything else was chill um what, what, well, we're going to hit all those because this is the uh, Critical Cactus and we're going to talk about those prickly subjects people don't like. I wanted you guys to talk a little bit about some of the news that you guys have been looking at. 
Um, science news. We've all been looking at science news, and one of the big topics that's big here in the state of Arizona is the uh, mining going on, uh, or potentially um, going on in the Grand Canyon. I think we first need to separate the idea between moral and legal. Oh, all right. Because what's moral is not always legal, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know, um, personally, I think that nuclear power is really the only way to go. Hmm. I mean, wow. in the short term, if you're looking in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, okay. if we want to turn down our fossil fuel use, nuclear power is the only way to accomplish that. There is a lot of fear around nuclear power plants, mm. and I think a lot of it is unfounded. Um, you look at disasters like Fukushima, and that's, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime event, you know, but then you get things like Chernobyl and Three Mile Island, and these things make headlines for years. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you look at the cumulative impact of coal okay. or natural gas, you're talking or the alternatives of that. Yes, right? you know, the fossil fuel industry. Mm-hmm. Um, thousands more people die every year from pollution and asthma and complications and wastewater runoff. And, you know, it's not as. Uh, dramatic, mm. you yeah, know, it's, it's, not, it's yeah. not as scandalous, so it doesn't have that big headline-grabbing impact. Mm-hmm. So in people's minds, it's, you know, it's just something that's kind of always been there. Mm. You know, it's yeah, it, it doesn't always, yeah. yeah, it doesn't stand out as much. Yeah, coal mining goes way back. You know, but you, I am a strong believer in numbers. You know, you look at the numbers; numbers don't lie. You know, and you compare how many people have ever been killed or injured from a nuclear power plant disaster versus the number of people that die. Yeah, you say that so easily, but it is definitely a powerful statement. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, what should you be afraid of, right? That's right. It's like the getting in my car versus, you know, a snake on the side. You're you know. really afraid of the snake, but well, you should have been afraid of getting in the car. If I, if I may interject, th- I don't think the question is whether or not nuclear power is safe. It's whether or not mining for the resources for nuclear power is safe, which currently it very much is not. Well, do we have a lot of uranium? Well, I mean, is this something we have to go after? Is it that so big of a problem? Yeah, I, so here in, here in Arizona, we do actually have a few uranium mines, and there's actually a ton of uranium near the Grand Canyon. Hmm. The only reason why we, we never went for it was because um, it wasn't economically good to do so. And I think, I think like World War II actually stopped us from going out there. But now we are turning kind of back towards that nuclear power. Yeah. So we need that uranium again. We do. And okay. we're, we're going to go wherever we can to get it. And the concern is, like, if you go and you attack somewhere, and I, maybe I shouldn't use the word attack, but if you go somewhere like the Grand Canyon, you know, a very beautiful, natural wonder of the world, and you start digging it up, what's it going to do to the Colorado River? And people are like, oh, well, it's like 20 miles away from the river. That's never going to happen. But what they're not taking into account is, like, groundwater seepage, spray off. You know, like, we had a really wet uh, winter, if you'll remember. And oh, yeah. Those uranium mines, they all have these these huge pools that they store their water in, and they're spraying it out in the, into the air to, to help it evaporate. And they're saying that that's perfectly safe, but we don't know for sure if you know there's any uranium particulates in that water getting sprayed into the forest, and what are the long-term effects that's going to have? Well, and I wonder what that that contamination really means. You know, I mean, 
there are trickle effects. So one could argue, okay, so is uranium really bad? At what point is it bad? At what's the levels? And is it enriched yet? And then can it have the potential to be? What's the radiation going to do? All these different questions that come up, right? I'm an inquisitive person. I'm going to ask those questions. But what happened in Flint when it came to the water wasn't that what was put in the water hang was on, bad. Hang on. Don't, don't talk about that in past tense. It's still going on. Yeah. What's happening in Flint um, is that the 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 chemistry of what was put in there affected the pipes and then the pipes which had lead in them released the lead so now you have a whole infrastructure that is you know unusable and people are you know s there's a lot of uh, learning disabilities and uh, you know I mean the list goes on and on and on with my concerns surrounding the nuclear power industry are minuscule compared to my concerns surrounding, say, the coal power industry. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, let's compare them for a minute. Yeah, right. And you look at, uh, you know, and even if you look only at my concerns with the nuclear power industry, my concerns about radiation are like so minimal; they're not even really on yeah. the charts. Yeah. I mean, people worry about it and they talk about it. You know, what if it gets into our water? Well, I think there's there. <laughs> I'm stopping you. I, I'm just I didn't mean to, but no, um, no, no. the the trickle effect isn't just to us, right? When I talk about Flint, I'm talking about people who are drinking that water. When we talk about this, we're talking about the wildlife in the Kaibab National Forest. So the trickle effect starts to look at the flora and fauna of that area, and now yeah. you don't know what effect that's going to have. Will it have an effect on us? I mean, we don't want the last eagle to die, of course, right? But you know, you know, is there anywhere else other than the Grand Canyon that we can get our uranium from? There are other places that you can get uranium from, and the only reason why w people want to get uranium from the Grand Canyon is because it's plentiful and it's cheap. People bought out those plots of land a long time ago, and then they just kind of buried them. They're like, eh, whatever. But now that they know they can make a buck off of it, and, you know, it's always the almighty dollar, that's why they want to start digging again. Now would be a really good time to introduce our guest, uh, Tom Stoller. He is a veteran, a father and a husband, and just so happens to be our resident nuclear power plant expert with over 25 years running the largest nuclear power plant in the United States. He knows every inch of that place, uh, all the policies, procedures, internal politics, and probably every atomic element used in there. He's a man who is passionate about clean energy and the science of climate change. Tom, how did you get involved in all of this? To get someone to force me to do something, I joined the Navy, and they forced me to push their ship around with a nuclear power plant. And then when I got out, I ran a commercial power plant. It's the, the largest plant um, that we make. It's kind of at the peak of the technology. Um, so we did a lot of tests. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd think. And uh, a lot of them didn't go well. In a nuclear power plant, uh, shutting down the reactor is uh, not a good thing. It's challenging when the systems have small design problems that need addressed by the operator in unexpected situations. So I got that experience. But anyway, that was my experience um, for one fuel cycle. That's how long a plant runs before it needs to fill up its gas tank. I uh, went over to a day shift job, which was training. Um, and I was an instructor for 25 years. And I was in the, my expertise was in the simulator, and my expertise in the simulator was more in the fundamental thermodynamics. It's designed not to have positive feedbacks. 
And this is this is what we see in Chernobyl. Um, Chernobyl, they relied on engineering confines and operator parameters to maintain that no positive feedback. The operators under the Russian system blatantly overrode mm-hmm. all the engineering and operational confines that kept them in that negative mm-hmm. um, feedback mechanism and pushed them into a positive feedback mechanism. Once they were there and that event that produced that positive impact occurred, boom, they were very high power, enough for a steam, not a nuclear explosion, not a Hiroshima, mm. but a steam explosion in the core that was enough to see some of the horrendous outcomes. What is that fear? Is that fear well-founded? Uh, what are our alternatives? You know, um, Are the mitigating technologies really up to par, or are they, are they just there to make people feel safe? I would definitely say the odds of any kind of um, Chernobyl-type event or Fukushima-type event is extremely low. You don't know what you don't know. Well, mm-hmm. Fukushima was a natural disaster, though. I mean, there was a, what was it, a tsunami that hit that power plant? There was right? an engineering problem, too. I mean, they should not have had the generators in a place that was below sea level or even potentially capable of being below or But, I mean, water. bad placement doesn't mean bad power plant. It wasn't like Chernobyl where they, you know, they ran tests and they no, ruined it right. themselves. Right, right, right. Or I had Three Mile Island. I don't actually remember what it was that caused Three Mile Island to, to rupture. I mean, it's a I significant event. It's a significant event. Wildlife. Was impacted? No. People were impacted? People were displaced. Does anyone know the impact of Chernobyl? Economic impact was quite large. Well, sure. Um, a lot of agricultural, a lot of contaminated mm. um, food, food supplies, right. milk. You made a very cheese. large, uninhabitable area. Yeah. Uh, a pr- yeah. a pretty I don't think the loss of life was actually that big. I do know the Soviets sent in some suicide technicians. Yeah, they and, had people working in shifts. They had considerable, um, some short-term, and then I, I don't know the numbers offhand, but it's considerable. There's a few numbers up on the board here. It says uh, death toll could reach 4,000 among those exposed to the highest levels of radiation. 200,000 emergency workers. Yeah. Are and those emergency workers were basically military people with shovels trying to put enough of a barrier to the field so that other people could come behind and work a little longer. So I'd kind of like to circle back here to where we started with with the whole uranium and Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. Um, First of all, I'd like to point out that um, despite what we may think in this room, those three natural disasters were enough to cause the government to, in fear, stop the production of nuclear power plants. I mean, when was the last time we... I would differ with that. What what stopped when, when I was looking at retiring... One of the things I was looking at is the plant I operated in, in had a next-generation plant. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're building four of them in the United States um, still, but there were over 22 in the drawing boards. Um, mm. The reason for that was the outlook for oil production was not particularly good, and nuclear power was seen as an economical uh, alternative. Do you know off the top of your head how many active nuclear power plants we have in the United States? Uh, the last number I have is 102. I don't know. Some have probably been shut down. Around 100. And then fracking hit. And yeah. When, was, when yeah. fracking hit, I mean, we talk about a war on coal. Well, the opposing army on the war on coal isn't the Democratic Party or Washington. 
it's all the fracking sites. Well, fracking, I think, is relevant to the subject because of the known effects on the water table when it comes to fracking. I know quite a bit about it, and it's really bad. Okay. So, <laughs> um, well, tell me a little bit about why you think it's bad. Methane is natural gas. Mm. It is the it is much more powerful than CO2, which is our big concern. We talk endlessly about, and we're talking fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. Methane's the next biggest one, and as a weighting factor, it has a half-life in the atmosphere. The best number I could find was around seven years. Nuclear power's big into half-lives. Mm-hmm. That means the initial emission of methane is way high. There's numbers they throw out, 20%, um, 20 times CO2. Mm-hmm. That yeah. number's based on 100 years. Okay. It has a half-life of seven. It's basically totally gone in 50 years. Okay. So that 20 number is good if you're looking at climatologists that are looking at centuries. But, yeah. it, but if you're looking um, at what we're doing to our atmosphere right now, it is a ridiculous number. Well, I wanted to um, take a quick break and okay. talk a little bit more about that um, when we get back. How's that sound, everybody? Sounds good. And now yeah. a word from our sponsor, Ooh. Ketchup. Okay. Today's episode is brought to you by one in one Web Hosting. With managed cloud hosting options, you can run your company, your website, your blog, or a fully hosted stack of servers, including Linux and Windows. We love WordPress here at Critical Cactus. Uh, the WordPress community around one in one is a deep well of knowledge that can keep your site new and relevant for years to come. What we need you to do is go to uh, criticalcactus.net forward slash one in one Go there, set up your site, make your new ideas come true uh, find ways to change the world we know you have those ideas don't get bogged down in all the weeds let them do what they do and you do what you do thank you so much for your help with that okay so welcome back to critical cactus podcast we were talking about methane making it sexy let's uh, let's keep this going Tom go ahead fracking um, the the biggest issue in my mind with fracking is um, the amount of methane that's going to come out of the operations. Natural gas power plants are about half the CO2 output for the same generation in a coal plant. The fracking industry quotes their amount of escaping methane from their operations at 1%. If it got up to 3%, it would be on par. It would make up for that advantage at the power plant, 3% of methane escaping from the extraction sites would make up, make it even with coal. The, the industry says 1%. Um, recently, our current administration has decided they don't even have to measure, and all they measure is from the actual um, extraction, the tank holdings, the relief valves. Um, fittings in their system. So when did this rule change where they don't have to do that? Um, two weeks ago, maybe. Oh, okay. Very recent. Um, independent measurements by scientists have shown numbers in the range of 17%. Wow. That makes fracking many times worse than coal. 
Okay, so I've got a question. I mean, so we've determined that coal mining or coal burning is bad, and we know that fracking is bad. Are we trying to say that nuclear power is the better alternative or the better alternative for now? It is the better alternative. So do all the power plants here use plutonium or uranium? They all use uranium-238 that is concentrated, um, not like a weapon. A weapon is concentrated to like 98%. Mm-hmm. That's what Iran was doing with their um, centrifuges. Yeah, don't let North Korea hear that. Um, yeah, you just give away the secret. And <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what North Korea did to get their, their nuclear weapons. Um, some of the production in in the process of splitting the uranium atom, um, the neutron flux creates a path where you produce plutonium that is also a fuel. We have wind. So as long as I'm... Okay, so I but look... how do we know we won't use up don't, all don't of our wind? Don't say it. No. <laughs> wind, if you're not allergic to it and it's not killing all the birds, Okay. and I think there's something else wrong with it. I think there's Bigfoot involved Okay. somewhere in there. Yep. I think he's too tall and he's some of them have been found decapitated close by. So outside of those negatives, um, no, I mean we talk of wind, we talk solar. I, I don't think that a lot of people realize the size of the ships that bring us all of our stuff from China and that those ships, those big huge massive ships that are made of metal floating through the ocean they need fuel to get from A to B, and wind and solar aren't doing it. So is there any truth to the statement that the top 10 biggest cargo ships in the world put out more emissions than all of the cars in North America? That's kind of where I was heading to. I think you and I are on the same page there. That's they're the size of a city, literally, and that's what you can see. The rest of it's underwater. So... Um, if you're not using nuclear to get those things across and they're doing a lot of emissions, I think we've moved away a little bit from the damage of mining in the Grand Canyon into um, the climate change itself. It's global warming. Yeah, let's talk about global warming versus climate change. Let's talk about that a little bit. Why are we using different words? All right. So the words we have have a huge impact on the ideas that we contain in our brains. And when you take a statement like global warming and compare it to something like climate change, using the phrase climate change casts doubt on the fact that the Earth is getting warmer. I I would disagree with that. Okay. Well, you're wrong. (laughs) Of course. Um, There's no room for any nuance here at all. If Sorry. A, if if a, uh, I won't say that. You've come to the wrong place. No, go ahead. I, I, I'm <laughs> no, by all means, please do. She might actually hear it, so I, w- I won't. Tell her <laughs> oh. Um, somebody who thinks before he talks. I've yeah. never heard of that before. Um, I, I would disagree with that because global warming locks you in to simply talking about temperature. The de- the discussion among people who continue to burn fossil fuels is that, um, well, it might be bad. We don't know if it's going to be bad. If it ends up being bad, it's just an engineering problem. That's basically Tillman's, um, our Secretary of State. His opinion is that it's simply a, he's a technical guy. I'm a technical guy. It's just a technical problem to solve. And when you talk about global scale, you're talking about global engineering. 
And you're talking about things like putting iron in the ocean to get algae blooms. Um, you're talking about seeding the upper atmosphere with um, sulfates to act as a reflecting shield. Um, and we are way too dumb to be messing with stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, there's plenty of examples of how dumb we are. Um, so we need to talk climate change, in my opinion, because it is about the acidification, the lowering of the pH. The ocean is basic. Yes, all you trolls out there. They're out there. I'm quite aware that the ocean is basic. And that is how life likes it in the ocean. Mm -hmm. And we are moving it much more to a neutral chemistry, which will mess with the chemical processes occurring in those so, organisms. So I've got a question. Is there any kind of power crisis? Like, are we worried about running out of energy, fossil fuel, nuclear, or otherwise, at the moment? Absolutely not. So really? No. Okay. So Absolutely then, not. would it not make more sense for us to take our considerable resources and utilize those towards trying to find a new, different energy source, as opposed to continuing on with the ones that we've already got? Uh, the solution is so simple. They all agree. Conservative Republicans... Um, the way to go is a carbon tax. You make it refundable so anyone who cuts their carbon usage or poor people who can't afford a car get a cash payment to them because they're not killing my child. Okay, so we're, I mean, and we're, we're trying to monetize, we're talking about monetizing conservation. So, I mean, that's what everybody likes is money, so that makes sense. But my question is, is, what are we doing for the future? Like, what are we doing differently as opposed to the status quo? I mean, we've had the same several types of energy creation for decades now. What's our next step forward as, as a race, as a human being? Tesla, the yeah, Powerwall. The Powerwall. Ah, they, yeah, they're actually easy. selling them. Yeah. yeah um, that'll solve it, dude. Yeah, that'll solve it. It produces that's no power it. on its own. <laughs> um, oh, that's the end. That's it. Uh, We're good. Humanity is very good at producing power. Humanity is very bad at storing that power for later usage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we waste a lot of power. Yeah. Um, inefficient infrastructure, uh, batteries that could be better. I mean, that's that's the new hot topic right now in industrial product engineering. The problem is we don't have the ability to store that Isn't energy. That crazy? That's our big problem. And people, I don't really think people realize how, how big of a problem that is, uh, the fact that we can you know, create a lot of energy. We just can't store it or transport it. Right. But um, is that a is that a big enough problem? I mean, if we solve that problem, is that is that going to make it so that oh, okay, now we don't have to worry about all this other stuff? I mean, if we say let's do away with nuclear power, okay, yeah, maybe we could eventually get rid of it. But all those power plants running, people have invested a lot of money, time, soul into, and to just shut them down, they'll operate at real low margins with huge capital investment behind them. And that, you don't want to overcome that kind of momentum. I need to take a moment here to mention our sponsor, ESET Antivirus. Uh, I trust ESET. Not only does it keep the system safe, but it's small. There's no bloatware. Um, it will not slow down your business servers, your desktops, your Linux PCs, Macs, uh, file servers, web servers. Anyway, try it out. Help us out. Uh, go to criticalcactus.net forward slash ESET and uh, secure your system. I, I really did want to dig a little bit into uh, the next topic, actually, because I think we're already there. 
um, it, it's it's the report about rapid greening of uh, Antarctic due to the climate change. Um, so when when you look into this article quickly, you can tell that it is that it is not fake news. It is legitimate um, that they are seeing a lot of green that they do not normally see um, in uh, in these areas. This is uh, this is an interesting idea. I mean, if the if the uh, ice is melting and it's revealing some land that it doesn't normally reveal, and it's a little warmer than it normally is, you're gonna you're gonna see some new uh, growth. So. Is this is this a uh, a way to recapture some of the carbon and to give us a little bit more oxygen to have this uh, photosynthesis happening that normally doesn't happen? I, my layman's understanding of it is that as this permafrost mm -hmm. that's been in the ice thaws, it's releasing a lot of methane into the atmosphere, which is bad. Extremely. When you see things like this, it scares the shit out of me that uh, we need to continue what we're doing because, you know, there's a lot of reasons to stay doing what we're doing. A lot of economic reasons for those slight people. Those people are going to make this into a whirlwind of confusion to the world. It's going to say, oh, yeah, we're going to be uh, sure you're, you're going to have a little bit of flooding over here in the low-lying areas. We're going to lose... Uh, Miami, yeah. New York. A you couple know. places here or there. Hawaii. Yeah. They're going to be playing that card and, and saying it's okay because as we melt the ice, we're getting new green over here. See what you guys didn't calculate, you stupid scientists. You never saw this. You Can you see that coming? I mean, can't you just so see that coming? This I, I'd like to point out that I'm personally like a... My belief is Earth is working as intended. But I mean, we're our own worst enemy. Everybody talks about climate change and like this, like it's going to affect the Earth. It's not. The worst yeah. that's going to happen is Earth is going to reset, and then there won't be any humans left for them to screw it all up. So what really needs to come across is human education that we are destroying our... We're not destroying Earth. We're destroying us. That's it. Like, if we die, Earth doesn't care. It'll come back. But before they die, they're going to be sure they have all the money. And by the they, I'm talking about the oil industry and the coal industry and the natural gas industry. We're in trouble unless we solve the problem. Is is this news? I don't think it's new news. I think it's an interesting publication that makes it look like it's new, but it's not new. Uh, scientists have known that there's been greening going on in all these areas for a long time, like you said, permafrost. But in this case, it's not permafrost. It's actual new growth um, in a place that hasn't had growth in millions of years. Uh, they're going to use this against the argument that we're hurting the planet because they're going to say, yeah, you're hurting it over here, but you're helping it over here. And overall, in the balance, see, we don't understand what's going on. You scientists don't understand what's going on. Here we are in a balanced state. There, there's uh, the first article I've ever read on uh, climate change was an article in Reader's Digest, that great scientific journal, yeah. sure. um, and it was talking Super about sad. global warming, and its conclusion was the United States, the northern upper northern hemisphere, would do quite well, and that there was therefore no reason for concern. That yes, our corn production might move from where it's at 
north. The northern hemisphere generally tends to widen in area as it goes north, so be it's better. A net, be it's a better. net positive. Why sweat it? Hmm. Um, same report did seem to indicate that the southern hemisphere would not fare nearly as well, or the tropicals. I think that like the baby boomer generation really was the me generation. They were like the original me generation. And that's why we have so many problems that we have now because how can I improve my lifestyle? How can I make my life better? How can I make my life live longer? I don't care about my progeny or I don't care about future generations. I want to say and I, I want to hope that future generations, the younger generations now, are being molded a bit differently so that they understand that these are actual problems and that when the baby boomer generation finally kicks off, we'll get some people in high places that will actually know these are serious issues. Okay, so the climate change uh, Arctic battle will continue. I mean, you know how crazy animals get when they get hungry. Um, we're going to be one big hungry animal in a very short period of time. What are we going to do to the environment then? Um, I think it's going to be okay because uh, they're uh, they're growing meat in test tubes now. Yeah. 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 So. Oh, that's good. I looked into that, and apparently that's really bad for the environment. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you will. How? How is it bad for the yeah, environment? Yeah, I haven't heard that yet. Oh, the amount of energy required. Oh. Uh, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's not the good. The problem I have with GMOs is it's such a slippery slope and also the motives. Um, I think it can do advantages. Unfortunately, when it's left to the Archland Midland um, agricultural monopolies, uh, the few agricultural co companies develop these uh, GMOs. If we get rid of the FDA and all of the EPA, oh, and okay. and won't uh, won't the free market and capitalism save us all? Because yeah, balance out the same. You know, yeah. I mean, aren't companies charities, and they they really have the consumer's best interest at heart? They don't they don't really care about making money, right? They're no. not going to exploit anybody. They would or? never do that. It's the same thing as the Antarctic. I mean, yes, it's going to have one big gaseous outlay at first, right? Right. But then it'll just balance out the atmosphere and we'll be fine because you can just trust the markets. Um, my, the the argument that you have that, uh, I mean, everybody hates Monsanto. That's the word, right? The, the big devil. But when you look at the starving people in India, um, Asia in general, and you look at how we can feed those people, golden rice is the only real solution to that problem. So no 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 we just need to be more efficient in how we distribute the crops we already grow. Yeah, right. Well, uh, they just need to be able to be. I, I I don't think that that's been. Uh, I think that's been shot down pretty solidly. Um, that that even then you just cannot with the arable land available today um, grow enough. You know, how can you ignore the fact that these people are being fed by this? Uh, well, if, if you really want to be prickly and you want to look at this from the other side, if, if we want to fix all these problems, we could just have less people. Yeah, well, that is a lot of people have that argument. <laughs> we, we may be going that way, whether we want to or not. Uh, I, I haven't gone that way in my head yet. I mean, I've heard the arguments. I know there's a lot of people who go that way, and I haven't yet. Um, do I think that we should continue to grow with the numbers we have? I don't think that's, like, something you can control. I mean, it is. 
(laughs) (laughs) It just depends on on your ethics, I suppose, and your morality. Yeah. But, I mean, you could do government-imposed, like, limited births, you know. We could go to war with somebody. Just... You know, just to get rid of people, you know, stop sending in drones and start sending in boots on the ground. Um, You know, (laughs) people keep an eye on China's economy. If uh, their expectations are not met by their people, there there might be. I mean, military got what seven and a half billion people on the planet. Yeah, there's there's something to be said about being an apex predator. We need maybe we just need something bigger and scarier than us to come and attack. That would unify the planet. It would definitely unify. That has been my argument from day one. If we had an outside source, like an Jurassic alien invasion, Park, or Jurassic Park. maybe not Jurassic no, Park. No, I'm saying Jurassic Park. I, I do love Jurassic Park. I'm putting Mark Quinn down on that. But if we had like aliens or something. dude would take us out. I, I don't With think lasers. Would. I think we'd have like a Apache, shotgun. A Apache helicopter <laughs> would probably take him out, but. But yeah, like an alien invasion, bam, everybody's working I on totally the same agree. team. I totally agree. Tribalism. It's <laughs> tribalism. We need one big tribe. I think That's we've strayed into. Yes, <laughs> this is exactly where we need to be. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Can we talk about eating bugs? That's no. A, yeah, no, that's huh. a thing. We Crickets? We I, said, yeah. I will never eat bugs. Not yeah. my thing, but it's it's one of the solutions. That we're thing. gonna need protein sources. We're gonna need mm-hmm. to feed eight Did billion you see the people eventually. Video? Oh, the mosquito burgers, the mosquito hamburger. Oh my, Tom, I will legit eat you before I eat a bug. <laughs> see, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's another <laughs> you know, solution to the problem right there. You know? Yeah. Um, feed the mosquito Be- one got me though. If you haven't seen the video, uh, no, and I don't want it's to. Oh, I don't the, want to um, you, some you, you make it red by having human blood in the mosquito. Uh, and you, <laughs> that's the part that gets me. Is it looks fine. They're frying it in a pan. It's just how many mosquitoes they had. Third world village somewhere where they're out in a field and just catching swarms of mosquitoes with a net. And then they take this mash of mosquitoes a patty out of it. and they make it into patties. How are they going to get malaria if they're eating them, though? Well, <laughs> that's <laughs> the horrible way to get malaria. <laughs> I don't know. It's not efficient at all. But feed feed the know. homeless to the hungry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think that's politically correct at all. <laughs> that's not within my pro- but let, progressive realm of. Uh, no, it's a little too progressive. It's so, it's so, it does. Oh well, bad. now you guys don't want to <laughs> talk about solutions. <laughs> We were good before that. Okay. And all of a sudden, I can't say one bad thing about GMOs, but he can talk about eating. <laughs> people. I'm right. actually I'm very pro GMO, so I okay. mean I I think that I'm I'm on the right side of the fence on this one. I, I you're think all GMO, on the right side of every fence. I know. You I think look. that GMOs are very important, and you know if that's going to continue to get me like my giant three pound strawberries, and I'm all about it. But on um, you know if it also keeps my costs low, I, I hate to say it, but I'm all about it. I don't want a $4 organic banana that weighs like half an ounce. I don't want some fish gene in my tomato. And then when I eat oh, that tomato, the no. fish gene is going to fall out and get into me. I think it all gets back to the lack of education. The fear oh, of yeah. science. Yeah. Not in Arizona. Fear of science. In other places, but not here. In Arizona. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I think I broke him. I it's don't that, know what happened. That willful ignorance is yeah. our greatest enemy. And I unfortunately can say that I have friends that are like that. Like, they they believe something because their parents believed it or because they heard it offhanded, and, like, they're never going to do anything to try and expand on that. That's the way it is. That's their core belief, and it's not going to get changed. Well, and it goes back to the house they built. And, I mean, I'm, I'm dead serious about that analogy. If you have put a bearing wall in your house that says that, you know, I, I know people are going to be mad at me or whatever when I say, 
oh, if you do a vitamin C right when you're feeling sick, you're going to feel better. I'm sorry, but that's not back, backed by any research. You can keep doing that over and over and over again with pretty much everything you've ever thought was a legitimate source of information and go, well, let me think about that critically for a minute. I need to take a moment here to mention our sponsor, One and One. They really are more than just hosting uh, game servers, developers, uh, email marketing management, Office 365. They have a lot going on. Um, they, they are solid at what they do. Uh, there's no doubt there. Please head over to criticalcactus.net forward slash one and one and uh, sign up today. Maybe my house needs to be built with different walls and people will not do it. It's because they're being attacked. I don't know if there's a better way to approach it. I, I just don't know. But um, one of the big things that they're coming out of the uh, think tanks is they're trying to understand what's been happening in the uh, LGBTQ community because the communication there, the outreach there, the methods that they've used to make it so that the, the, the way that people thought about that specific subject in any way, shape, or form was a huge bearing wall in the house that they had. And when somebody comes at you saying, no, these people have rights, these people are legitimately um, concerned about the way they're being treated, and they look at this closely, this is a, this is a serious problem. People, people began to, over the last eight years, strangely enough, <laughs> started to listen and somehow not have that same fight-flight reaction to that subject. And I think that we need to, we need to study that as much as we can to figure out how we can use that same thing just in general scientific knowledge you know i think it was repetition just uh, over and over i think really people cried about it just enough and long enough where it no longer seemed that important to those that were opposed mm, like wow. let gay people get married no it's against my religion let gay people get married oh my god fine just leave me alone about it really i don't think it was that simple i think well it may be uh, Maybe I guess I'd li really like to see the studies on it just, just to know because I know well, the people are I mean, you can horrible. you can be over it and still harbor your hatred and and not not be impacted. I mean, your belief hasn't really changed so much as you're like, you know what? I just don't care anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, would would you be able to say the same thing about uh, you know the uh, the '60s in general? Like when when why wasn't that a thing then? Um, when all of the human rights movements were happening and, you know, everything, was it just too much? It was like, oh, women too. Oh, and all these other people all oh, come on. I wasn't alive back then. <laughs> okay, you can't talk well, about that. I'm going to remember that's your... That's your <laughs> at, at that time, I'll, de I'll defend the baby boomers. No, uh, I all of them. I can't. No, yes, you I can't. You can. No, that's um, okay because you're the one voice that represents all of them. All of them. Yeah. The whole planet. Uh -huh. Um it does amaze me that a generation, when we were in our youth, and it makes me a little less optimistic because the current youth seems even less engaged than what my generation did when we were in our youth. I mean, there was the Vietnam War, getting lots of people putting themselves online, and that's what it comes down to. Um, in the 60s, there were people putting themselves on the line for racial justice at some primitive level um, we still have a long ways to go but they were putting themselves on the line and I think with the gay rights um, I think people put themselves on the line and said 
this is something I won't tolerate. And if you get a relatively small group of people who won't tolerate something, the rest don't care and they'll go along. Well, I bring that up because we, we're talking about a small group of people who are, are loud and repetitive. And that's in this wonderful think tank. That's what we've concluded as it takes, right? <laughs> to get, to get uh, a whole people to um, have a voice. And I think that we're here as uh, critical thinkers. Honestly, I, I really don't think of us as as left-leaning or uh, having any particular po political alignment. I think we're just, we just are okay with thinking about things that, that are building that house in our heads that are our, our worldview. We're, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I'm okay with, if you guys can convince me that the uh, GMO argument is, you know, whatever, that G the, the Monsanto is really the enemy, I, I'm, I'm actually going to listen to the, to, the, to the information you have. I can be swayed from that position. And I think that's the difference. I think that's the core difference is the, the people on this podcast are right now anyway. Um, we, we all have guests who are not willing to budge. But um, how do we get us as a group of people who are, are, who are that way, how do we get that uh, to happen for us? How do we get people to realize that it, it, you know, it's okay to think about these things? It's okay to have these types of questions. I mean, honestly, I really think that the, the state I live in, they don't want you to think. They no. do not want you to have a question about a subject or an opinion on a subject that's different from theirs. They don't want it to happen. They would rather just not have it happen. So I'll be honest. I actually don't know what creates that kind of person. Um, you know, I, I was raised in a house where I was taught, you know, I was raised in a originally very Catholic house. Um, and I myself turned out to be only mildly Catholic. Okay. Um, I'm only Catholic when it suits me. And no one in my family ever enforced that that lack of belief. If anything, the exact opposite was true. Growing up, you know, we said our prayers at night, and and we, you know, we we did all the things that a good little Catholic's supposed to do. Went to school, uh, you know, to catechism, and I went to church on Sundays. And as I got older, I started to form my own opinions. And I was fortunate that my family didn't really care that my opinions were different. But I can see the same in other people's that I know. You know, their their parents instilled their beliefs in them, and that's, like, as far as it went. And I'm like, why are you so afraid to try something new? Well, this is the way it's always been. And that's a terrible reason, but what makes one person different? You know, I can't say that I grew up in a progressive family that said, this is okay, or this is okay, or whatever you want to believe is okay. They, they didn't believe that. They believe a very specific set of rules. And other people that are in a similar situation... They also believe those specific set of rules, and they didn't change the way they think. So, what makes a person different? Well, that's a good question. I've been thinking, you know, trying to figure that out myself. I, I think that you might be in the minority there, um, along with a lot of other ways you're in the minority. Uh, Nobody likes being wrong, mm -hmm. and it's very easy for a person to accept that they were wrong historically when they've already changed their minds. But to get somebody to admit that yes, you are wrong in that moment, mm -hmm. whatever that moment ends up being, is damn near impossible. It triggers the fight flight response according you to know, the MRI. Yeah. And we have, you know, our society, uh, North American, Western culture, uh, being wrong is something you want to avoid at all costs. Yeah. Yeah, it's a you good know. thing. John and Wayne, man. You know, and we also grow up with uh, respect for authority, respect for the establishment. Those things get beat into us at an early age. So if that's the way things are really hard for us to break out of that mold mm. what do you think happens when somebody is broke out of that mold i mean friction there's gonna be a lot of friction i mean 
you got people that grow up in you know strongly religious households or strongly conservative households whatever when when you start to go against the grain of whatever your your family your society your group your neighborhood we're not ta- just for any listeners out there we're not talking about your religion we're talking about the other religion that we're talking about so if you're <laughs> if you're mormon we're talking about the baptists baptists if you're if you're protestant we're definitely talking about jehovah's witnesses jehovah's witnesses yes uh, so there's there's another so we're talking about the other one the yeah other just, just, or just don't, christianity don't worry in general too much. don't let does that does not apply to you the bearing wall that you have your house built on for all sense and purposes it, that is fine that's the one that's that's legit yours we're not going to ask you to do that. But that is the exact opposite of what we're trying to accomplish oh, right. here. Your <laughs> God is the right God. What, it, it's fine. What happens from, I mean, that's the difference between psychology and sociology. Sociology is like the whole. What happens to the whole? What happened to the whole when gay marriage is okay? What's going to happen to the whole? And I mean, there was a lot of sacrificial, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people who got hurt fighting that fight for it LGBTQ ain't over. community and it's not no. over it's definitely not over in the south but thank god we ended racism though yeah <laughs> i i want to i want to circle back it's here though um you you touched on something about how you you don't want to like upset your family by by sharing your opinions and your views but isn't it isn't it your job to do that like how are the people in your life in your circle ever going to know that there's something greater than what they believe if no one is ever the voice of we'll say reason we'll assume we're the voice of reason that's a big assumption as i don't know for sure and i think that's a big part of my problem is is i'm okay with not knowing i'm okay with sitting here going i don't know you know and i th- i think that that certainty is a big part of of what people are looking for and so i am okay with saying i don't know how i mean i'm not an agnostic in any way but um, I don't think I have uh, a big. I can't tell somebody I am confident I have I have a, uh, a a more you know this is more reason and more so than that. So having having good discourse with somebody is not telling them they're wrong. I'm right. Having good discourse with somebody about these about these topics is saying maybe there's another side to this. You know, I have a belief. You have a belief. I have scientific facts. You have Lord knows what you've got. Let's put these together and see what makes the most sense. A lot of, and, and I hate to generalize, but I'm going to, a lot of people say, I'm not going to bother trying to change someone's mind because it's already set in stone. How do you know if you've never tried? Mm-hmm. It's, it's people like us that don't take the message. Like, we kind of talk in an echo chamber. We talk to, you know, like-minded individuals, and we just sit here and we agree with each other. Well, the other side's doing the same thing. Nobody's reaching across and saying, please be part of this group. I want to understand what you think. I don't want to just keep saying you're wrong. I need to take a moment here to mention our sponsor, ESET Antivirus. Uh, I trust ESET. Not only does it keep keep the system safe, but it's small. There's no bloatware. Um, it will not slow down your business servers, your desktops, your Linux PCs, Macs. Uh, file servers, web servers. Anyway, try it out. Help us out. Uh, go to criticalcactus.net forward slash ESET and uh, secure your system. And I want to tell you why I think I'm right. And I've had the experience of having the fight flight response. That's th- And I, I agree with you. It's just that, you know, I have a very difficult time personally coming up with a, a, an approach that doesn't trigger the hey you're 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 messing with my worldview you're hurting this wall here and that if you hurt that wall if you even touch that wall 
oh, this whole part of the house is going to fall down, and I don't want you. I don't want you to do that. So they dig their heels in, and I've just never been ever been very good at it. Well, I think that's and, not a good. And when I say that it, it, it's your job to to expand your circles, I'm knowledge. Bad at, I'm bad at my job. Well, no, what I'm I'm not saying that you have to get a, you know up behind your pulpit and start telling everybody what you believe. I, I'm saying you want to kind of try and nudge them in in a right direction. I'll use my parents as an example. Um, you know, they they had their strange beliefs for the longest time. You know, the earth. You know, the earth was all there was to it. You know, one of my family members, I'm not going to say who, they believe that the, the sun orbited the earth. Yeah. Well, a lot of people did for a long time. And centuries. Yeah. Well, that was a long time ago. But, you know, and I tried explaining to this person, like, that's not how that works. And I'm like, well, I see it raise and I see it set. So obviously it's true. So we're all being lied to. So my point is, is that I was unable to convince this person and that's fine. What I was able to do was point them in the direction that helps them understand. And I actually happened to turn this person on to Neil deGrasse Tyson. <gasps> and he is he's such a, a friendly, easygoing mm. guy. And mm. also he speaks from a point of authority that suddenly my opinion was actually scientific fact. And now they're a bit more willing to learn. Mm. And I think that that's, that's kind of what we need to do with everybody. If we could influence our circle of friends to go out and learn, then we can make a difference. Yeah, I agree. And I'd just like to point out once again that Mr. Tyson has an open invitation to appear on this podcast <laughs> anytime that he'd like. With all two listeners. I, well, both of our listeners, he better like spaghetti. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was uh, enlightening. I do think that, that you have a big point to make about um, reaching out. And I, I well, wh What's that Sam Harris quote? What, you know, what facts are you going to present to somebody that doesn't value facts? What logic are you going to present to somebody that doesn't value logic? I mean... You can go with feelings. Um, some people, I'm a born-again Christian. I go to churches that are very conservative. Um, just it's it's a big struggle. Just for the audience, I, I want to let them know, when you did come in, he was speaking in yes. tongues when he came in. But I, uh, he I've refrained from this. that. Yeah, yeah, he's going to do that it, soon. We've edited that part out. We'll just keep doing it. There's more value to saying, I am concerned about my child because of global warming. Hopefully I'm wrong. But it, I sincerely believe that my child's life will be negatively impacted to a huge extent by us putting fossil fuels in the air. And we need to stop it 30 years ago. We need, to, we need a carbon tax today. How do you... But I don't bother telling them methane releases in the hydrates under the Arctic Ocean. It's hard you to know, explain. They're, that they're not going to care. There's a, it's hard to explain that you can see a different isotope in the sky it and know that that carbon was put there by people versus some carbon that's been put there by, let's say, natural... Volcano. Yeah. You can tell the difference. just hard to explain that to somebody who doesn't care. That's when well, you talk about facts. But uh, you, you open a door. I want to walk right in here. Um, when... When you think of the religious right and global warming, do you feel when when I say those two things at the same time, do you think thank God that the religious right is doing so much wonderful things to help us with our uh, earth and the environment, or is that not the reaction? And if it's not the reaction, why why do you think that's not the reaction? It seems to me like whether it's uh, it's scientific or not, 
I've always had a hard time with the idea that uh, Christians and other religious uh, uh, other religions they they're not holding it as a as a mandate for themselves to fix the problem. It seems like the that's what we really need is that uh, that extremist you know. There are Christian scientists. N- nobody said that. Well, I, mean, <laughs> I, um, didn't, I didn't mean to have that. I sorry. I totally didn't s- mean to say that. What I was trying to say is. The evangelistic church in the United yeah. States right now um, ties many things that are not biblical. Um, I met my wife in a Bible study, mm-hmm. and her first question to me when we first started dating is, how can you be a Christian and a Democrat? And oh. I said, how can you be a Christian and a Republican? Christ said, we'll, we'll be judged by what we did to those in prison, what we did to those that were homeless, that are, were naked, were hungry. Mm-hmm. They're, that's what we it's going to separate us from goats and sheeps and the goats are the bad guys they didn't give a crap mm-hmm. the sheep they looked out for each other that was Christ's overwhelming message the Christian church is so Republican so I've got mine I'm going to keep mine I, I don't understand how those concepts got integrated into the... I guess that's, that was really where my question was. was uh, I was don't understand it. I c- can't comprehend it. Okay. Amen. Yeah, uh-huh. well, so what's happening there that that we can learn? I mean, can, can somebody go look to see how that happened and undo it or whatever? Because it seems to me like, I mean, I was raised, uh, you know, Christian and... I felt as if, you know, the earth was a place that we were supposed to protect, that, you know, it's it's kind of our job to, it just seems to me like it's the opposite. And and I wonder though, and the reason why I wonder is because, and and when you say that there there are Christian scientists, I feel like sometimes science is, is a scary path for Christians since evolution um, you know, since Darwin, it's been a it's been a pretty big conflict because if you go down the evolution road, it causes conflict with some of the, the writings, and people don't want to talk about that. And they don't. And so to not talk about that, it, it really also not talks about a lot of science. And when you know, when you not talk about a lot of science and a lot of details and a lot of things like that, you you start to fall into this trap where you don't accept information and regardless if you call it science or not information is coming in that says the, the world is warming and we are doing it and you can measure it and when you have just those three pieces of information if you don't call it science maybe it's okay because then it doesn't it doesn't invoke the idea of evolution and it doesn't invoke the idea that hey you're talking about my book and my book is right and don't tell me my book is wrong if you don't invoke those ideas then you can just say it's just information it's okay that this information is coming from science, but y- you know what I mean? Like, let's make it so that the, the, the religious right has this fight and, and comes across I th- what I think is, is, is a very good religious position to have, to say, hey, this is our world, and we're not supposed to be doing these things to it. I think change would happen. Well, and maybe, li- like, he, like Tom had said earlier about, about if, you can't, if you can't convince somebody with facts, maybe you can convince them with feelings. Maybe it's our job as as shepherds to... That's where I was getting at, yeah. Maybe it is our job to help people feel like what we know to be scientifically correct is right. 
And I, I think that's doable. I think it just takes the right mouthpiece. I think it just takes somebody that, that knows how to say what people aren't afraid to hear in a way that will comfort them. And, and I'm not saying so much as like, hey, God came to me last night and said, stop, you know, using carbon fuels. But, you know, if, if somebody from from a, a religious or political authority says the right thing to those people that are afraid to think but aren't afraid to feel the Pope. Yeah, we, well, we can trying. make it. He's trying. We can make a difference. And it, it doesn't appear to be making a difference in the American evangelical church. No, but I mean... Maybe he just doesn't have authority in that group. I, I don't know. The United mm. States is only one country amongst many, though. I mean, maybe it's too late for the U.S., but... Well, we're a pretty big uh, polluter. Um, not to be beat by India and China soon, but... <laughs> China already, India soon. Yeah, they're they're bigger, and they're just starting where we were. So what we did is just going to be a multiplier, multiplier, multiplier. And it's not as if, the, you know, there's not deep religion in those countries. There is. I just feel like if if I can see religion as a wonderful thing, this would be the way to do it. You know, it just seems like such a huge opportunity. What one of the problems is um, religious people, when they feel overwhelmed, have a response that God is ultimately in charge. So the buck stops with him, not me. Um, and yeah. that's hard to overcome. Yeah. I mean that's that's a whole premise of faith. We don't we don't need to regulate the environment because Jesus is coming back any day now. Well, that's a different angle or God will not allow my child to be killed by mm -hmm. well, global warming effects. And, and I'd like to point out that again, um, being the ageist here, I, I think as we move forward, we're we're suffering from less and less fanatical religious people. I know church attendance has been down like at the church that I used to go to. I watched it dwindle over the years. I've watched churches be closed. Um, and that's here in Arizona. So, I, I mean, I can't speak to the Midwest where everyone's crazy, but, you know, at least on the fringes, I think that religion is having less of an impact on the younger generations, or at least I hope that it is. You hope that it is? I have um, mixed feelings on that. I mean, I think that religion has its place in, in, uh, in a lot of ways. I really do um, wonder if there isn't a way for it to help us. And I, well, I will say, being Catholic, that religion is crowd control. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I've learned over the last several years is you do have to be very careful of the language that you use. You know, when you drop the word science or, you know, when you say the theory of evolution versus the process of evolution, you start using words like that, people get defensive immediately mm -hmm. um, whether they want to or not I really like Tom's theory idea of you know appealing to emotion you see politicians on TV that say we don't need to regulate the environment because Jesus is coming back okay well I don't think that God created the earth for us to exploit for us to abuse you have to robe your argument using vocabulary and ideas that the other person is already familiar with that is already accepting of you know almost like you know get it in like a virus you know so it's not detected by their immune system <laughs> you know you, uh, you know god didn't give us the earth to exploit and abuse god created this perfect garden for us to be caretakers of you know and i don't 
and I found that works rather well. You know, I don't see how that. I mean, how can you argue with that? You know, yeah. if if you want to start picking apart, you know, your uh, religious text, yeah, okay, God says, you know, subdue the earth. Well, what does that mean? You know, subdue, plant your fields, or strip mine the mountains. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and you just extend that from there. It's like uh, we talk about uh, the process of evolution, right? None of us can obviously ever truly understand the amazing depthness of God, right? It'd be like an ant trying to understand, you know, a 747. It's just not going to happen. So when we learn about this earth through the processes that God has presented to us, you know, whether it's evolution or climate change or whatever, whatever whatever else we want to study on this beautiful, amazing planet that he's given us, all that's doing is bringing us closer to our creator. Mm-hmm. You know, and if if there's something he really doesn't want us to see, he's going to shield that from our eyes anyway. So if he's shown it, so if we can discover we it, to see it, yeah, if we can discover about these processes and about these world, about this world that brings us closer to our creator, and maybe we get just a fraction of a, of a hair closer to understanding you know, as somebody who, I've got friends on both sides. I've got hardcore religious friends, and I've got hardcore atheist friends. I've got uh, left and right. I've got, you know, American and whatever, you name it. Um, what country is whatever, you name it? Uh, All the other ones. It's near India. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I really, really agree with what Tom said, that you, you have to wrap it in a candy coating. I want to ruin everything. Yeah. Um, Adam ruins everything. I I'm going to say this from my deepest Christian belief: science ruined everything. Yeah, it's, it's everything is science's fault. If it weren't for scientists, we wouldn't have fossil fuels. If it weren't for scientists, we wouldn't have nuclear power. If it weren't for scientists, we wouldn't have global warming. Everything is science's fault. If we'd have just followed God's plan in the beginning, we well we'd probably all be dead, but the Earth would be fine. Thanks, NASA. I, I don't think we want to thank NASA on that. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's NASA's fault. Oh, yeah, that's all you got to do is is uh, say thanks, NASA, to the light-emitting diode, LEDs. Yep, thanks a lot, NASA. You guys brought us that. We wouldn't have it without you. I'd Today's like episode was brought to you by Ketchup. <laughs> I'd like to thank NASA spaghetti. for creating pens that allow you to write upside down. It's very important to me. It is. Thank true. You. Thank you, NASA. Russia said we'll just bring a pencil. I would like to thank our guests, uh, the sponsors, and more importantly, you, the listeners. We would not be able to do this podcast without your help. We have started a Patreon account, so uh, to help keep us going, um, open your browser and go to patreon.com forward slash critical cactus. Your donations uh, will help keep us going. Thank you for coming. See you next time. Hasta